Welcome to the Adelaide Connected podcast. We had a really fascinating insight into a international boomerang slash arrow, I would call her. Jared, what do you think? Parika Verma, I'll be honest with you, Peter. I um, At the start, I didn't have any idea what uh, her career was and I felt really intimidated because... Um, in this chat, she talks a lot about her role within the government and what they're doing for South Australia. And I'm just sitting there listening, going, it's so fascinating. My job is to talk into a microphone for a living and say, make some noise. And I have no impact on South Australia. And it's intimidating to hear what the people that we speak to on this podcast do. First and foremost, you do have an impact on people's oh, lives, Jared. <laughs> just sort of to establish that. And secondly, um, I can imagine Parika being a futurist. Mm. She is all about the future of South Australia and she's a clever human, isn't she? Yeah, she is. And she's, uh, the, I think the interesting thing is that she's made the choice to come back to South Australia a couple of times and each time it's, there's been more draw cards to come back here and that we're keeping it here, which is awesome. Again, we're finding a lot of people deciding to, to move back through COVID, which is great for the state. So through the challenging period of COVID, we've seen many people decide to see how they can impact South Australia. Absolutely. And she really does want to make an impact to South Australia. What I actually loved about her podcast is her day in Adelaide. Let's go have a listen to our very special guests on the Adelaide. Welcome, Parika. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, Your job title, what does that even mean? Can you please explain that for the listeners? Yes, absolutely. Um, So strategic foresight is a way of systematically... um, addressing uncertainty and making sure that we're thinking about the future critically and differently and to ensure that whatever sort of policies or whatever tools that we might be developing and using within government are fit for the future. So strategic foresight officer is basically my role within the foresight unit in the Department of the Premier and Cabinet and in our broader policy and strategy team. So um, I essentially end up working with um, government agencies and I'm building that foresight capacity within government as well to ensure that whatever policies that we're developing or whatever strategies that we're developing are essentially going to be robust in the future. And this is a newly created team, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, came into existence in January last year and I started working with the department in July last year, so very much fresh into it. Can I ask a naive question? Because mm. there will be some people that hopefully are on the same level of naivety as me. Mm. So does this mean you've only been in the role for a short amount of time because um, obviously government's been in for a short amount of time. So you're in there um, to assist the Premier who's only been there for what, 12, 12 months now? It was because of my executive director that we um, that he basically has had a lot of experience in working in government across the world and has trained the public sector in innovative policy making and his you know um, understanding of what the skills are for 21st century policy making foresight is a really important part of it mm. which is why he's created this newly formed um, broader strategy and policy team within which we have institutionalized strategic foresight so it's a very rare skill set to have within government only four or five governments around the world have actually brought in strategic foresight and at a subnational level it's even rarer to exist. So um, there's shaping futures in the Department of Premier and Cabinet in New South Wales, um, which is also a foresight team, and then there's us. So it's a very sort of small cohort within government or foresight practitioners. How good's that? So did this role bring you here to South Australia? The role didn't bring me to South Australia, but it helped retain me in the state. 
So I was working for a design-led innovation company based in Melbourne. And during COVID, I moved back to escape some of the lockdowns that that city was enduring. Um, So once I was transitioning from my old role and looking for something new, I found the Foresight team here. And that felt like the perfect fit for me. And it really was a dream job. And it was quite... um, significant that South Australia had invested in creating this unit and had and bringing in um, foresight as a capability within government and as someone who's really um, who cares deeply about impact using a skill set that is really valuable and also in the context of government which has the potential to really maximize the kind of impact that we can have as well was really significant so um, this really is my dream role and is definitely something that's retaining me and is keeping me in South Australia. Was it easy for you so how long were you so in South Australia prior to leaving South Australia? Mm. So I moved here um, at the age of 12 yes. with my family uh-huh. from India and I'd lived here up until the age of 21, moved away for short periods where I first moved to Singapore to go on exchange for about six months. I moved to Norway for an internship for a few number of months as well and then moved to Melbourne for a new job. So I've sort of been in and out of South Australia multiple times um, and yeah, every single time I've, I think, really grown to love this state and Adelaide specifically more and more because the more that you end up seeing in different parts of the world and in Australia as well, the more you realise how good we really have it here. Yeah, I guess so. My, my question is, was it as easy as it was for you to leave the first time to where you're at now, where it's obviously more difficult to leave because mm. as you just said, you, you fall in love with South Australia each time you kind of come back? Mm. Yeah, I feel like it would be much harder to leave now. I'm really used to the kind of lifestyle that we have here. You know, the fact that we can really have um, such amazing work-life balance and the ability to truly cherish the kinds of things that the city has to offer. You know, often if you're living in different parts of Australia, the kind of affordability that you might have or the kinds of um, opportunities that you might have to actually maximise that city um, are quite limited because you're so caught up in, I guess... um, commute and a lot of other things the lifestyle just isn't presented as beautifully as it is in Adelaide where everything is just so accessible um, and you really can enjoy the fruits of what the city has to offer. What do you love most about South Australia? What I love is that you're in the strategic foresight team so you're Mm. looking towards how is the future going to look for South Australia but what do you love right now about it? I feel like South Australia has always been um, the forerunner in a lot of important initiatives. So, for example, the fact that we're institutionalised the voice of parliament, we're the first you know, state in Australia to have done that, the fact that we made so many strides in terms of sustainability and a lot of initiatives that we've taken in that regard as well. It just showcases how we as a state have a strong identity and are not afraid to be the first ones to do really important things. So I think I love that narrative that we have about the state. And then, of course, having... You know, my family here, having my friends here and the kind of communities that we have in the state, I feel like because we're smaller, we're much more community minded. Mm. So I feel like the balance that the city has to offer that if you really deeply care about something, you can really have a go at it. But at the same hand, you can also have that sense of community. You can still have that sense of support, um, have a good family life. That balance is quite rare to find in any other city around the world. Mm. And you've lived... Around the world, as you you mentioned, um, not just in Australia, certain parts of the country, but also overseas. Um, I'm a very deep thinker. 
right? Mm. And I feel that like on reflection, I like taking a, a step back and going, what did I learn from this experience? What have you learned about yourself mm. being away from home so often for me like an example is um a lot of it is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and Mm. a bit of um, emotional intelligence but what about for you that's helped equip you with um, the tools that you need to operate professionally and personally that's a really great question um I feel like it's really important to have a clear narrative about who you are and to not be afraid um to throw yourselves in new context, you know, with the strength of what that narrative is. So I feel like, you know, even for immigrants who are moving to Adelaide of, you know, or myself through my experience of having moved away from Adelaide multiple times and back, whenever you move to a new city, your sense of self is completely confused. You know, you're like, how, how do I present who I am within this new context? Which is why I think it's really important to have a strong narrative about who you are and then with that confidence to constantly try new things, to not be afraid to make a fool out of yourself, to not be afraid to try new things. Um, that just has, I think, has been probably the biggest learning for myself, you know, to hold myself with my clear narrative and um, engage with all kinds of people. And what does a day-to-day look like for you professionally? So um, you get up in the morning and mm. what does your professional work look like? And then a little bit later we can ask about your ideal South Australian day, but for mm. the people who are listening that want to get more insight into um, what your job looks like, can, mm. you, can you simplify that for us? Yes, of course. Um, there's sort of three parts to the role. Um, the first part is to work with other government agencies to support them with long-term strategy development. So a lot of times that's running workshops in which we're you know, bringing a diverse range of stakeholders together from multiple industries, multiple sectors, and working with them sometimes to think about what can possibly happen in the future. So that might be running a workshop to develop scenarios. It might be to answer the question of what do we want or not want to have happen in the future, So that might be um, running a workshop to develop a vision for, you know, 2030 or 2040. So for different purposes and different contexts, we run those different types of workshops. Um, So, for example, I was up in the regions recently. Um, We're going to all of the regions of South Australia with planning and land use services to redo the 30-year regional plans. So we're really trying to answer the question with the regions, what do you want for the future of your region? So that's a part of my role. The other part would be to work with an emerging community of practice within government or foresight practitioners. So it could be sharing tools of foresight with them, um, training them in different foresight methodologies and sometimes just bring them together to talk about, you know, what are the ways in which they can embed foresight within their work as well. And the third part would be for me and my team to gather futures intelligence. Um, So that could be doing a lot of desktop research, a lot of um, talking with different experts within the field to think about what are the future changes that are on the horizon so that we can use that intelligence and feed it into different government processes. So that's a process called horizon scanning, which my team also engages in. So it's a very diverse role. um, It is. And it's really exciting. So, I mean, knowing... You know, there's three parts to your role. Mm. What would be the one key change or improvement you would like to see occur in South Australia and why? I think I'd like for us to take more risks. You know, I think as a state, sometimes um, we're very comfortable. Mm. And I think as I see, you know, going through a lot of these activities um, of listening to what people's vision is for the future of South Australia, I see that there's a lot of aspiration 
And I think we should just lean into it a lot more. We should have the courage to be experimental, you know. With a perfect size for us to run small scale experiments to then um, scale things further. And if you are going to have a, a weekend in South Australia where you step away from technology, I've noticed you've got one of these really cool notepad things, which are remarkable. Are, are they okay? So you've got one as well, do you? I Peter? do not. <laughs> I would love one of them, and we'll talk about that off the podcast. How I can um, purchase one of them? Um, what is your ideal South Australian day look like? You're not focusing on work, you're doing stuff that makes you happy, just as happy as the excitement you have for your job does. Mm. Funnily enough, my ideal South Australian day would not be escaping to the countryside or going to the wineries or anything like that. It would You're actually the first very person much that said that, so thank you. Yes. <laughs> it would actually be being in the city. Um, it would be a mix of going to the botanical gardens at some point taking a stroll, having a nice picnic there, probably going to the central markets for a beautiful little brunch and a little bit of shopping, and then visiting one of the museums or the galleries. So Mod is one of my all-time favourites, being a futurist myself. I love the sort of futures intelligence and the space that they're creating for young people to explore um, different challenges and different future themes. Um, so a mix of activities like that and really taking in the diversity of what the city has to offer mm. is probably my ideal South Australian day. Can you tell us about your family? Are they all here? Yeah, so my parents um, live here with me, yeah. but all of my extended family live in India or the US. It's a bit of a mix. Okay, and what brought your family over to South Australia? It was really because of my parents' um, desire to experiment with something new. So they both are engineers and are, you know, had been working in their field for many years. Um, and then one of their really close friends had moved to South Australia and talked about how lovely it was here, the, how the lifestyle was just so incredible. So they took a leap of faith and moved here at the age of 37. I love the how multicultural South Australia is, Peter. Like it, And it probably took for, um, for example, the Cricket World Cup to be in Australia over the past 12 months to see that. So there were a few games in Adelaide at Adelaide Oval where India played against Bangladesh. And I I know that we've got a really strong, tight-knit Indian community here, but I didn't know there were so many people from Bangladesh here. Like, and to see all of those um, nations have supporters, that makes me really proud to go, like, um, I think moving states is daunting. Imagine moving countries where um, English isn't the first language of so many people. So to have that offering in South Australia, I think, is a really special thing. Australia does it really well. So I'm sure, like, for your family, it, it made it a lot easier to mm. um, immerse themselves in the, the culture, knowing that we've, we're all very welcoming. We talked a little bit about that before we came into the podcast and, and what um, we we mentioned was community and the sense of community. Yeah. I know you're part of the Global Shapers. We've had Michelle Howie on the podcast earlier and I know that that's a really great community that you love being part of. Are you part of any other communities? I'm a part of a local Buddhist community. So for me, um, my spiritual journey and my sense of connection to the places in which I live are really important. Um, so there's a really strong emerging Buddhist community in South Australia as well. And I've been a part of that since, you know, the day I moved to the last 10, 15 years. And it's gotten bigger and stronger. So that community really supports me um, in my time. 
See, it's good. It's good for, um, and I love that our podcast guests talk about the types of communities that they are involved in because, Mm. you know, our listeners could be from anywhere in the world thinking Mm. of choosing South Australia as a place to live and work in. And what's really important about what we do here in South Australia is not only attract such great talent as yourself, um, Parika, but also retaining you as well. Like I feel like you're the type of person that could actually live in anywhere in the world and be absolutely fabulous at what you do. Mm. But you really do love what you do here and mm. I'm so glad you found that right role. What would be your key recommendation for people moving to South Australia in terms of looking for a job or looking to network? How did you how did you first make those connections? Yeah, um I think it's really important to try different avenues and to try Um, different forums in which we can engage so for me you know things like LinkedIn are really important specific networking groups are really important volunteering opportunities as well I think whatever one can do to put themselves out there is extremely important Um, I think overall like I was saying earlier in the podcast as well that whenever you move to a new place your narrative of who you are and how to present yourself is something that's really challenging so it's really important to I think be courageous about it and to not be transactional in our approaches. You know, often at times um, you might end up feeling like, what am I getting out of this? Should I try it or not? My like strong encouragement to anyone who's moving in is trying to network or to find new opportunities is to really use it as an opportunity to um, be experimental, to be courageous and to try various avenues. Um, And you never really know what's going to land. So, to go on as many coffee catch-ups as you can, to try and reach out to people as much as you can. And I think over time, that sort of experimentation can really pay off in ways that we don't even envision. So invest in those relationships for the long term. Don't be transactional about it. Mm. Um, Just really know that in Adelaide, over time, you realise everyone is connected to everyone. So, you know, being true to who you are and presenting that wherever you go is never a bad thing, is always a strategy that pays off. So just go through all of those forums with that mindset. That's well, good advice, isn't we're it? very grateful for you joining us on our podcast because uh, we like to speak to people um, who are influencing the future of South Australia and you are certainly one of those people. So um, thank you. If people want to get in touch with you, is it more so LinkedIn that they can look at? Yeah, yeah LinkedIn would be perfect. Spell out your name for us so people can type it correctly into LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. My name is Parika, P-A-R-I-K-A, Verma, V-E-R-M-A. Awesome, Parika. Thank you so much for joining us on the Adelaide Connected podcast. Another brilliant guest. We just keep getting better and better, people. We do. We do. It's amazing. Appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you so much.